The Accidental Entrepreneur is produced by Mindhacker Law and brought to you through our affiliate relationships with the following sponsors. One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the average podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. North Authentic, the conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world. The Healthy Place, the e-commerce site with thousands of supplements to help you live a healthier life, along with natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. What happened is the we are taught so many things in terms of how to live, how to work. There many of the, you know, the academic institutions, they they the the current style is still based on the industrial age. Yeah. Now you know, we that, teach it's like it's 1945, right? Yeah, it's a command and control Very, society and the bosses big cheese and you the boss speaks and everyone follows and and so i was taught these rules as this is the way it's supposed to be this is what yeah and and uh what what i realized is that i i was only with him for a year this was after business school your first this is after business school it's my first male mentor so so i really didn't have um, my mom, when she got remarried, uh, married an amazing man who I who I call dad, and he he died a couple of years ago, and right. and he was amazing, but didn't want to do the male mentor thing, right? It so my it, it was really him. my first male mentor. Yeah, was somebody who taught me a bunch of dubious lessons. I call <laughs> dubious the opposite. Well, you missed him in college, right? Because you met those women who were more active. Yeah, and uh, and so I was with him for a year. He was with me for thirty six. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. This is Mitchell Levy, global credibility expert. Clients typically attracted to me are leaders living their values and driving operational credibility. Okay, welcome to another episode of The Accidental Entrepreneur. We have a special guest today who shares my first name. So that's one of the reasons why he's on the show. All the Mitchells have to come on to the podcast. That's one of the rules. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast directory, be sure to leave us a five-star review if you can. If you're watching us on YouTube, Please subscribe to the feed and hit that like button so we can keep bringing you valuable conversations like the one we're going to have today. So I want to welcome Mitchell Levy from Credibility Nation. He's got a great first name. I told them when we first met, right, Mitch, that uh, he likes Mitchell and I like Mitch, which works out really well. But you got to get all the Mitchells to come on the podcast. I got another Mitchell I'm chasing. That's, a great, that's, that's, that's a great It's a great way to start searching for, for, for people. Actually, at one point in time, I was thinking... How cool would it be to have a clubhouse room of all Mitchells or a clubhouse yeah. room of all Levy's? Like, yeah, I, I wonder how many we could get. Like Levy's, we could fill the room. I'm not sure how many Mitchells we got to get. We you know, <laughs> see they oh, come there are quite a few, room. actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So, Mitchell, thanks for coming on today. Um, I was telling you before, maybe we can go back, like, you know, your background and your training and maybe even where you grew up. And then we can work all the way up to credibility because I think that's a, a missing piece that we talked about for business owners you know, credit, how to build credibility. Does that make absolutely. sense? Oh, absolutely. This will, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, this is fun. And, and by the way, for the audience, uh, I'm going to give you a word, Mitch, you could use it going forward if you want. Okay. I often say the word, one of the words that came out, I, just for, for people to know, I've, I've actually interviewed over 500 thought leaders on credibility. I did 
500 to come up with a book, um, the 28th most popular TEDx in 2021. And one and of the words reason. that came came out of it, oh, it's pretty cool. One of the words that came out of it is cred dust. Cred so, dust? Cred dust is okay. the magic that happens when you share somebody else's ideas, thoughts, and actions. So, you okay. know, and Mitch said, click on the like button. I'm going to say, write the aha moment that if you if you listen to the last podcast, write a comment with the aha moment you got. I got to put that like, in the show share notes. With I got to write that down. Cred dust. Basically, spread some cred, spread some of Mitch's cred dust. There we go. Cred. Is that two words or one word? <laughs> that's by the way that's that's exactly if it's one word does it have two d's or does it have one d exactly um you know it uh it's it's i do it as one d if you if you actually googled cred dust c-r-e-d-u-s-t yeah um it'll it'll bring you to creddust.com and oh, i because really? i want it to go i want it to be a word in the dictionary so i created what looks like a dictionary page it has a video oh, so you created you own the domain cred dust yeah Exactly. I love that. Okay, good. All right. Well, so let's go back in your life to the cabin you grew up in in the Midwest, and we'll tell us the whole story. And then we got some other terms I know we're going to get into. Also. <laughs> so, um, so cabin in the Midwest, not exactly. So actually, born on the East Coast, uh, right? born in New York, raised in raised in Jersey. There you go. And uh, what, what town were you raised in? Uh, the last town. That's well. I I was in a couple: East Brunswick, English oh, Town, sure. Lakewood. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Um, and uh, I, I sort of, when I'm thinking about credibility, and I was trying to reconstruct my life, probably for the, you know, for the first time I was doing a, a TEDx is when you, that's when they think, when they, when people encourage you to go back and think about where did yeah, things yeah, come yeah, from? Very right. You know, my, my parents were divorced when I was nine. Okay. And, and, and dad was, for a long time, I called him bio dad or eat or just, by his first name. Okay. And, and then what, uh, because what he did was, you know, and many divorced parents did at that time is, you know, he'd come out like maybe a weekend or a weekend a month. And then right. he would do what he thought dads did with their kids and, you know, take them bowling or take them to our right. movies. And, yeah. And, and I think that's when I first started thinking about integrity. Like that right. is like, what is it just from the perspective is what is supposed to be a dad? I'm right. not sure, right? And then, and then I'm going to fast forward to after uh, after B school. So I I ended up getting a undergraduate degree at the University of Miami. By the way, okay. I, I like saying the name of the degree only because it has so many syllables in it. So I so I got a BS in stochastic and operation. Wait, sto- <laughs> sorry, wow. I can't even get this it right. Mouthful. Sto- stochastic and deterministic models of operational research. Wow. It is a mouthful. It that is when I summarize it, and this is one of those things that every parent wants for their kid. Right. Um. It's actually a degree I use my entire life. What uh, if I'm sh- going to shorten it? I was taught how to model people since people and systems, and and to improve it. Okay. And and so it was. Why don't they just say that? Why, why all the big words? I I know I know exactly academicians. That's what. <laughs> and, <laughs> want to sound important. and so I've actually used that my entire life. For instance, when I was when I did this this survey, terms that people talk about is it statistically significant? Are you looking at the right numbers? Right. Can you can you stand up to a group of academics looking at it? Now, I didn't need to actually go out and do research on what to do. I just sort of pulled it together. And this is a number of years since my undergrad. All right. Well, Sorry, what so, does stochastic mean, then? Ooh, now you're asking me good questions. I got to look this up. So, while you're talking, yeah, actually, I need to look it up in the dictionary so I get it right. So I'm gonna. So here's a cool part. I'm sitting at my desk. Yeah, and yeah. I can actually type in the meaning of stochastic as we're as we're talking. Yeah. Um. So stochastic because I, I didn't want to get it wrong, right? So yeah, it's randomly determined. So having a, a, a random probability distribution. And so the so okay. deterministic yeah. um, is the other. So it's it's basically things that happen by random and things that happen on a consistent basis. Okay. Right. So yeah, once again, <laughs> there might have been Do they still have the major at University of Miami? That's a great question. Yeah, I wonder. Well, or maybe it evolved into something no, else I, and it's called something I else. love that question. And what 
it because it opens up something I never really talk about. So I when I first got there, I I went for a international finance and marketing degree. Okay. And in the first semester, and by the way, I think I'm going to say I woke up. I woke up somewhere in college. I probably slept. A lot of for, us do, I think. Yeah. I, I slept for most Thank of my you. life before that. <laughs> and and uh, the first semester was so, it seemed so practical. It seemed so easy yeah. that I went to the guidance counselor and said, what is the hardest thing I could do? I, I decided that like I didn't wanted, feel challenged. Is that I didn't, I didn't feel challenged enough. What is the yeah. hardest thing I could, uh, hardest degree I could take? And then can't remember undergraduate class in the business school might have been three or four thousand people and and I go what's the hardest degree and they said well the industrial engineering group yeah partners with us and they run this degree and that's where you know stochastic and deterministic models of operational research is so you can get still get a business degree but you could take it through this particular group and then and I said okay I did that and it, <laughs> there were four people of the you know, three to four thousand people in the business school. There were four people who who were taking that major um, that it. were in my class. Right, so right. a lot smaller group. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So I went from there to uh, College of William and Mary. Okay. And uh, is William and, and Mary the one at Williamsburg? It's Williamsburg. Yeah. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful location. Yeah. The at the time, what it was um, one thing that was difficult for me. So Miami's this melting pot. Yeah, right. And it's, it's, a, it's, and it's still yeah. considered a party school. You can Big time. like anything you do in life, you could decide to go on the extreme where you party all the time or you are for me party when I want. But I what ended up happening my first semester is I met these two really gorgeous women. And what they did on Friday night is go to the library. And that just got me in the right habit of. OK, well, you met the right women then. I met, I met the right women. Right. And. uh and I, you know, that's the only thing I wish from a social media perspective, we were social media was back then. So I could reconnect and think, right. Yeah, just, right. It, well, if there so, was social media, then all the parties would be online again, trouble. So you wouldn't, but all of your friends probably would have been. That's yeah. uh, it's, it's, uh, you never know. I, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that hasn't changed. I mean, University <laughs> of Miami is a great school, but there's plenty of partying going on in South Miami. It's a, oh, it's it's a great, it's a great school. So, so the thing is, I was really, uh, I was, I was part of the, I, I played on the academic side. I, I played ultimate frisbee. I was very well rounded, and it's not difficult to have a lot of friends and be what, if you consider yourself popular, it's not difficult to be popular when you're at a school like University of Miami. Yeah. So that here I am, I then go to Williamsburg, beautiful school on the outside. Right. And, and at but the it's time, tiny, right. It's, it's smaller and two things I'm entering the business school. So it's not undergrad. Right. So you're graduate. Second, yeah. one of the things that I didn't realize um, when I got there is at the time, and maybe this is or isn't true today, you typically, for the most of the people, you either had to have been um, born a Virginian or make a decision that you want to stay in Virginia. And if you're not, you're you're one of those shunned people that's just coming in and out of school. And yeah, what so are you doing here? I was the opposite of popular. Right. Yeah. I mean, if there. you wanted to be a, dressed like a colonial person, it's probably a perfect place because it's literally across the street, right? Doesn't the campus end on a street and then uh, Colonial Williamsburg yes, is across the street? Literally. Yeah, it I remember. Was, it's amazing. And yeah. So it was just a, it, it was a very interesting. But you were there uh, for the graduate program. You'd think that they would be more, you know, accepting of the graduate students who work. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe it was me. Maybe I, yeah. maybe it was lucky. I, right. Whatever it was, it was a different vibe, which yeah, gave yeah. me because which gave me great comparison of yeah, the things Virginia I like. Itself things I is not Miami, right? And then, uh, and then, what happened is I ended up doing uh, I ended up doing a research study and 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 getting getting something uh, done in a way that I the by uh, I ended up following the person I was doing with one of the professors to Boston. And uh, it, it unfortunately turned out to be my first boss out of out of business school was oh, hedonistic and narcissistic. And and Perfect. I got taught a, 
I taught, I got taught all these lessons of how to live life in a way that wasn't really good for me. Yeah, hedonistic <laughs> so, is definitely, if you ever been to hedonism in Jamaica, it's not like, you know, I have not, like not gone. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's not. Yeah. It, it, um, what happened is the, we are taught so many things in terms of how to live, how to work there. Many of the, you know, the academic institutions, they, they, the, the current style is still based on the industrial age. Yeah. No, you know, we that, teach like it's, it's 1945, right? Yeah. It's a command and control Very, society you know, and the bosses big cheese and you the boss speaks and everyone follows and and so i was taught these rules as this is the way it's supposed to be this is what yeah and and uh what what i realized is that i i was only with him for a year this was after business school your first this is after business school it's my first male mentor so so i really didn't have um, my mom, when she got remarried, uh, married an amazing man who I who I call dad, and he he died a couple of years ago, and right. and he was amazing, but didn't want to do the male mentor thing, right? It so my it, it was really him. my first male mentor, yeah, was somebody who taught me a bunch of dubious lessons. I call <laughs> dubious the opposite. Well, you missed incredible. him in college, right? Because you met those women who were more active. Yeah, and uh, and so I was with him for a year. He was with me for thirty six. Oh, wow. Okay. So let me, let me ask you a question. I want to go back a little bit because I'm always curious about the, the path that people are on. How did you go from University of Miami, right? 30,000 kids, big school, South Florida, fun son, all that stuff to William and Mary Business School in Virginia? Like, what, where did that come about? So it's a great it's a great story. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Good question, I, right? I was like, I don't get to, I don't get to talk. I don't get like, to talk about that. Yeah. So I after um, after college, I went to Europe for uh, two and a half months. You know, okay. uh, well, back bought back a URL pass. pass. Yeah, yeah, but well, bought a URL pass. Saw sixteen countries. It was just an amazing experience. Nice. I had applied to at least from what I remember, I had applied to two institutions for B school. Right. Um, I applied to William Mary. Not sure why. Okay, I, I really can't tell you why. There's the and answer. I applied, we don't know. Yeah, I applied to the University of Miami and University of Miami because I went there as an undergrad was a one year, uh, but a full fellowship. I had to, had to work for it, but a one year program. And I think I worked for it and they were paying half the half the tuition. Okay. So, I, so I, here I am. I come back from, uh, I come back that's from my the program at Miami or that's the program at Miami. Okay. And so I, I come back from my, uh, from my Europe trip and, uh, and mom, now she'll never say this happened, but she, while I was on my, in Europe, she never told me, although remember, this is, this is a time where you, you get on a telephone call and it's like, like $5 every 30 seconds or something like right. right. so, so, so we didn't talk much, um, but uh, she didn't tell me that I was actually accepted into the college of William and Mary with a half tuition fellowship. Well, and that was and the so, fellowship. Okay. So that came. Oh, well, I had a actually fellowship scholarship. I think I at the Miami was a fellowship that meant I had to work at uh, William and Mary was a scholarship, so it's a half tuition scholarship. Got it. And uh, but you can't for the life of you remember why you applied to William and Mary. I, I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of business schools in the country. You weren't yeah. from Virginia. Your mom wasn't living in Virginia. I, you know, yeah, that's a great that's question. Funny. I, that's funny. I, you know. I don't, I don't, I can't tell you if I know that answer. Um, you know, it's a, it's a good school. It's the second oldest school in the country. It's right. But I don't know why. So, so what happened okay. is I, I thought the half tuition thing was, was, was already expired. And as I drove down to Miami at the time, my, my folks were in Philadelphia. So as I drove down to Miami, I stopped at William & Mary. It's a beautiful campus. And you I mean, thought you just, missed the deadline for this thing. Oh, the deadline was way, way past gone. Oh, but I okay. I uh I drove past like wow, this is really cool. Yeah. And yeah, so then we continued yeah. we continued going to the uh the the University of Miami. I checked into the dorms and uh the next day I called the dean from William and Mary. And I and I told him, listen, I was in Europe for the summer. I, I didn't uh I didn't know if uh I didn't know if I uh, 
if I completely missed the deadline, I just didn't know anything about right. it. It wasn't it's, like you get email when you're in Europe in those days. We didn't, right? I mean, you're yeah, you're, no, I, yeah, exactly. right. And uh, and so I said, is is the half tuition scholarship still still open? And he says, I'll oh, give me a minute. And he he went away and came back. He says, not only is it open, but I'd like to make it a full tuition scholarship. I know that's exactly. What I'm like, it, it, like is and this now, candid camera. Yeah, this is, and I, and I, I was like, wow, that's, I, and so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm immediately going, wow. I, I mean, it wasn't. I think I was just checking up just to verify because I didn't right. want the loose end. And when he said that, I, it kind of shocked me. And then I said, so, so instead of saying, oh my god, this is amazing, count me in. Right. I'm in. I Where said, do I sign? Right. Quick. I, I, you change I, your mind. Oh, it was worse. I, I said, you know, your program is two years and I only have a year at Miami. Is there anything you could do about that? And he says, well, I could take a semester off. Meaning he could, you, but you'd have to, you'd have to take more classes, but so it'd be so it's the same no, classes, it, just shorter it time. It turned out he gave me credit for, for Stuff one of the semesters. So, okay. So it was a year and a half versus two years to get. It cost him less program. too, because so if he gave yeah, me a guess, full scholarship, it's going to cost him less. It's not like you're paying for it; he's losing hadn't, hadn't half a year that. tuition. Yeah, that's a great. That's a great. Yeah. That, that's so it looks like thought. the two women that you met who like to go to the library a lot. That was a good move. I I uh, that, I would actually <laughs> want to thank those amazing women and yeah. and you didn't uh, get the scholarship because you did poorly at Miami, obviously. I, uh, yeah, in Miami, I ended up in that first semester. I was sort of a CD student in high school. And, and that my first semester in Miami, I got two, two B's in the rest days. The second semester, I got one B in the rest days. And then the rest of my college career, I got all A's. Yeah. So how um, did you, you couldn't do that today. You couldn't be a D, a C student in high school and get into University of Miami. You, you couldn't do it. I, I couldn't. I went to Cornell. I I wouldn't get to Cornell today. My great, no way. Just no way. So competitive now. Got lucky, maybe or whatever it was. The the stars aligned to to bring me on the path I'm at now. Yeah, crazy. So you were checking in the door in Miami. What'd you do? Turn around, pack your stuff, and get in the car and leave. I I once once I made the decision to be yes. uh, Then the answer is yes. I uh, I I well I. I told Miami what I was doing and where I was going and and then uh drove to College of William and Mary or actually I might have I actually I'm thinking I flew. Oh. But it's so long ago I can't remember. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh-huh. But I'm sorry, I'm making you reach back in the archives. Okay. So now let me bring us back up to where we were. So you met this guy through William and Mary, right? He be- it was your first job. And obviously you stayed in touch with him for the rest of your life, is what you're saying, right? Even though no, it works kind of, kind of the op- so so I know sometimes I say that no the opposite. Okay, I was actually uh, as a boss. He was this. He's the boss that we all don't like. Okay. You know, <laughs> command and control. Um, all about him. Right. The the what it really caused me to do is not be a good project manager or team player. Got I mean, it. if I if I crack the whip. That was the way it was supposed to work. Not, you know, it was the uh, it, it wasn't the the love approach to doing things successfully. It was a stick approach to doing right, things successfully, and that was ex- common accepted. So that both happened things, to me yeah. and was encouraged for me to do the people work I, that worked for me. So what I say is, I was physically only with him for one year. Right, he was mentally with me for thirty six years. You had to break away from that. So was that a lot of therapy? No, I, you know, I, uh, it's fascinating. The, for my first 13 years when I was in corporate, what happened is, and I, I, I don't like admitting this as it sounds really bad. I have to say I wasn't authentic. Okay. Cause I always think no, I was honest, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I always thought I was authentic. However, as soon as I tell you this, you're going to look back. Weren't now, authentic. Right? Yeah. What happened is when anyone would ask me a question, all through my corporate career, my answer was always what I thought my boss wanted to hear. It wasn't just what, so I had an opinion and I, and then I'd go, well, what would my boss want to hear? Okay. Let me make sure I say the stuff that he'd be happy with because that's what I was taught. And it wasn't until I uh, became an entrepreneur in, in 1997 
that uh, it, Mitch, it's a the, my my first prospect uh, or my first client. I was sitting in front of the first client, and and I was. It turns out I uh, in 1997 I did SEO <laughs> for five clients. Yeah, and what kind of SEO my, was there in 1997? Oh, it was easy. Well, yeah, what right. what exactly. what what ended up happening in '97 is one of my old bosses. I went to him and said, "Listen, I'm looking for something to do." Um, I put up my hat as an e-commerce strategic consultant, and he goes, "Do you want to do SEO?" <laughs> he goes, right. "I got all these clients. I've got this business. I don't want any of my team members doing. It. I know you can figure it out." So and there was no okay. Google, I think, in 1997. Was there? There was no was Yahoo, probably. Yeah, it was Yahoo. Was there? I think Google right. was sort of coming around. And what 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 happened is, I took two weeks. I so entrepreneur. Uh, had an opportunity for the first paid gig once right. I started my own company. And and I this is the the lesson here, by the way, is when opportunity knocks, say yes. Right. So I'm thinking SEO was below me. I like, why would I want to do SEO? And I, but but I really I it was one of my old bosses at Sun. I I was like Sun Microsystem, one of my old uh-huh. bosses sure. love this guy. I'm like, okay, if you think I should do it, sure. He goes, Mitchell, why don't you spend two weeks, figure out everything you need to know about SEO, which, by the way, wasn't that hard in 1997. Right. Figure out everything you need today. to know and tell me what you're going to charge me and what I should charge the clients. Right. And so I I bought everything on the marketplace. I learned everything I could. And and I ended up going back to uh, Rick McGreedy was the, was the guy's name. I went back to Rick and I said, you know, I'm going to charge you um, $10,000 and you should charge your clients fifteen. He said, okay. And he, we immediately sold five clients. So you were like a subcontractor. To them. Yeah. He was at Sun, you said? He was, at the time, he had left Sun and had his own web web presence company. Isn't that where Sun, Sun was the original creator of JavaScript, right? Wasn't it? Sun was the creator of Java and, yeah. and uh, they helped take their version of Unix, which, uh, which is right. universally being used you know, around the yeah. planet. Sure. And... Uh, and what happened is when I would go to the, in order to do SEO at the time, you would ask the, the client you're working with, you'd say, okay, what is your 30 second elevator pitch? And in that 30 seconds, they would typically mention two or three key phrases. And what you want to do is have separate web pages, focus on that key phrase. So the search engines could see that you had expertise in that key phrase. Right. It was easy. So Mitch, very. So Mitch, I ended up, uh, I ended up asking all five clients for their thirty-second pitch. All five took ten minutes to answer their thirty-second pitch. And I go, you know, I think I have some strategic consulting opportunity here too. Two of them became strategic consulting clients. Got it. Yeah, because thirty seconds is not ten minutes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Now, here's what's really interesting. That first person I asked. We got into a great conversation. He showed me his 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 web design, what what they're going to be doing, the strategy, and then he says, "What do you think?" And so here I am on I'm, I'm on my own. I'm my own boss, right? So I didn't have to worry about what the boss thought, and right. I didn't literally cross my arms, but I feel like I crossed my arms. I I feel like I stepped back and I said, "I think what you just told me sucks." <laughs> And really? and uh, and instead of the you know taking out the whip and saying you're fired immediately because I worked for myself so it didn't matter if I got fired right 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 you just don't he, for new he leaned in and said God nobody ever talks to me like that tell me more and then I explained why I didn't like what he was doing it was it was marketing cookie cutter approach that just didn't make him stand out from anyone else and I just didn't like it. Here's a word from our sponsors: Looking to get into podcasting, maybe to market your business for your own enjoyment, or because you have a message you want to get out there. One of One Productions is a New Jersey-based studio just over the George Washington Bridge that caters to the booming business of podcasting. They offer a comfortable atmosphere using the latest technology available to record your podcast. And they are a full-service media company offering both audio and video production services, creating both audio and video podcasts as well as video shorts for business and personal use. Professional audio equipment packages are available through their website for all budgets. And be sure to check out their podcast guesting kit created specially for our listeners. 
Care for your health. Care for the planet and look flippin' great doing it. North Authentic is a conscious hair care marketplace offering the cleanest brands from around the world. Their pro stylists curate only the most fabulous non-toxic hair products with better-for-you shampoos, serums, masks, and more that actually give you gorgeous hair without hurting your health or the planet. Hey, you've only got one life, one planet, and one glorious mane. Might as well treat them all as best you can, right? Try a 100% clean hair care routine prescribed just for you using their link in the show notes. If you don't see a big, beautiful difference in how your hair looks and feels, you can tell them they're crazy. Do you battle chronic pain, stress, anxiety, or depression? Well, if you take any supplements or you're interested in natural alternatives, you need to know about findyourhealthyplace.com. Find Your Healthy Place has thousands of supplements to help you live a better quality of life, as well as natural solutions for chronic pain, stress, anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, and much, much more. Need guidance? Use their live chat feature and talk to a wellness consultant right on their website. And be sure to use our coupon code TAEPODCAST for all your purchases to get the best prices at findyourhealthyplace.com. Follow their links in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. And that was my first breakaway from, so it was you asked whether or not I got therapy. That was my first break. And I thought I was done. Mitch, I thought I was actually done. I thought, hey, I now am no longer thinking about what my boss thinks. I'm being me. And what ended up, I'm going to fast forward now. Yeah. My second, my first TED Talk was, if you take a look at the book, uh, Being Seen and Being Heard as a Thought Leader. That one got me on a trajectory that was amazing. The second one was after I interviewed the 500 Thought Leaders on Credibility. It's the... It's it's called We Are Losing Our Humanity, and I'm tired of watching it happen. And that was, I was practicing for that during COVID. And so what okay. I ended up doing is I ended up creating 30 Zoom calls like, like, like we're doing now, 30 Zoom calls where people would give me feedback based uh-huh. on the talk. And, and the 10th reviewer said something that, and this is now 36 years after my first boss out of college. The 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 first reviewer said something, the 10th reviewer said something that caused me to realize I was still holding on to that first guy. And and what he Got said it. was, this is a guy named Ted Lau. What Ted says um was Mitchell, do you realize that the people who you run into life who are doing dubious things, they are innocent. Because that's what they were taught by others and others before them taught. Learned right? Because right. it's just, it's a learned behavior. It's common practice. And a result, people do it, even though it's not what mom and grandma said you should do. That's credible when you were young. Right. Right. And, and but they're as, perpetuating this. They're perpetuating. I, I call it cookie cutter marketing approaches. Yeah. Cook, a lot they're, of those. They're perpetu- and, you know, as a, as a lawyer, you often run across these things that you just look at and go, why did they think that was okay? And right. they say, well, because everyone's doing it. Yeah, right. That doesn't answer. mean it's okay. But no, right. it's just, you know, well, that's what everyone does. Well, what does that mean? Exactly. Yeah. Got a question. And, and so when Ted did that, I sort of look back and go, oh, maybe, well, actually, I don't think maybe was there. This guy who taught me all these bad lessons He's innocent because that's what he was taught. And right. he just taught me what he learned. And so the last lesson I learned 36 years after this guy was just purely forgiveness. Just like, I, Interesting. I forgive you. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. It's, it's you know, wasn't your fault. Wasn't, wasn't, exactly. You were taught wrong and you didn't know. And he, and luckily you realized it. He didn't. Unfortunately. I don't know. Cause I, I definitely did not stay in touch with him. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So, um, well, you take me through it. So that, so you like, where did the credibility stuff come from? Was it kind of a, a, you know, a recognition of the things that you saw and how people would carry themselves and things like that? Let me, uh, let me share with you as an entrepreneur, I'm a, I call myself a parallel entrepreneur. Okay. And so it means I have multiple businesses going at the same time, much more commonplace these days when you look at, you know, some of the big 
you know, the the Eon Musks of the world. Right, and, and right, right. See the stuff that we I've do. I've heard, heard things, the right? term portfolio entrepreneur. Right? You have a portfolio. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I heard that term. Somebody used that. That's an interesting term. Yeah. There's an implication there. So I'll have to give that some thought. But Mitch, yeah. thanks for sharing that with me. No problem. The, uh, so let me, I'll spend less than 60 seconds, but I'll give you a, a, a small snapshot of things I've done. I've been in Silicon Valley for 35 years. I've created 20 uh, professional services firms uh, and businesses since since then. I've sat on the board of a NASDAQ company for nine years. Um, I've run four different executive business programs at Silicon Valley Universities. Okay. Um, I've run four CEO networking groups for a decade. And I still have a book publishing company where we've published over 750 books. Of not just your books. People's uh, books. I've written 65 myself. I've published seven hundred. I'm working on my first in total. <laughs> okay. So other other entrepreneurs, business books? Tip yes, typically nonfiction books where the author's using the book to drive more business. Yeah, right. Makes so sense. The, the the way I think about it, if I this concept called a C pop, it's business professionals wanting book credibility. Right. That's the right prospect for me. And and actually that's that's what got me into credibility is. When I did my first TEDx, what I liked about the TEDx concept, it's it's an idea we're sharing, not a marketing idea we're sharing. Because right, my right. cookie cutter approach in life was everything was a marketing idea, right? Everything had to have some form of marketing in it, right? right. So, Everything's got to be an opportunity lead to something else. Exactly. So, right. so when I when I finished the TEDx or maybe somewhere in the middle, I I actually uh, I actually realized that I didn't like the clients I was currently attracting as a book publisher. Oh, we were okay. we were more of a traditional publisher, traditional slash hybrid, but we were attracting the people who would write their own books. And by the right. time 2017 came along, it wasn't the client I wanted to work with. I wanted to work with a client that was successful in business, had a thriving business, wanted the book, just didn't have any time. Meaning you guys would write the book. So yeah, we would we would writers. write. And and what I do now, it's, it's so I built a writing school in, in 2018 for my writers. I um ended up picking up 10 clients. And and today we it's the business professional who wants that book six months from today. We have co-created, published, distributed, made them an international best-selling author, and they spend 10 hours. So that's the that's, that's the current the, model. The that's the current it's like a yeah, six current process. It's a six-month process, and they spend ten hours. That's the that's the most amazing part. So, what was interesting is 2018. I was executing, making sure I could do it. 2019, I I I actually went to a went to a branding camp. So, I flew to one of my friends' location in Miami. We spent two days coming up with a brand for Mitchell Levy. And and by the way, it's now something I do with people, and we do it sometimes in minutes. But that brand that came out was Global Credibility Expert. Okay. And and I felt comfortable. I've been in Silicon Valley, started a bunch of companies, sat on the board. I felt very comfortable with the brand. But two months after, after wearing that brand, I woke up with a Napoleon Hill-inspired moment. Huh. I, I, I woke up and said, I need to interview 500 thought leaders on credibility so I can have a book. Napoleon Hill is Think and Grow Rich? Uh, and Think and Grow Rich, yep. Exactly. Oh, okay. And uh, and so between 2019 and 2020, I, oh, by the way, imagine you're on my team and we have a team meeting. I go, I woke up, I had a dream yesterday <laughs> and, okay. and we're going to actually interview five. We're going to keep our publishing company moving forward. And in the next year, we're going to interview 500 people and put them on two different podcasts. <laughs> okay. And make a book and- out of it too. Uh, we ended up doing so. We ended up doing a book. I distributed the content on a podcast that led to my second TEDx. Okay. And, uh, but what it really led to, Mitch, is a transformation of a life purpose. Okay. So it's, it's more than kind of a, what do they call that? A paradigm shift in terms of how you would view it? Yeah. It, it's significant aha moment, an epiphany, a, par- a complete paradigm shift. I, you know, I thought, I thought my life purpose was, uh, create companies, get married, have children, have one. He's he's 24 and an amazing, amazing kid. Um, be able to to have friends and family, make money, run businesses. I just I thought 
that felt like a really cool life purpose for me. And what came out of the interviews, what, what shocked me more than anything else, right, is out of the 500 people, 98% could not articulate who they served and how they served them in 10 words or less. Yeah, that does not surprise me. I know. Well, that's what people, well, by the way, people you, think that they can do it, but when you really put them to the test, they can't, they can't do it. I mean, they, yeah. just, they just can't do it, you know? Yeah. So that's where it gets really fascinating to me. I, I, I have a superpower and that's to allow people, I call this a CPOP, your customer point of possibilities. So I have a CPOP uh, and a methodology and approach, and I've now done this with over a thousand people. Okay. We've tested it. And it's super powerful. And I'm going to say, I believe what I do is teachable. So if I can teach other people on how they can help others have their CPOP, that means that we weren't taught to be able to wear our purpose on our sleeve and how to articulate it. Now, that's another acronym you know, C as in Charles P-O-P. C-P-O-P. And it stands for? Point of Possibilities. Point of Possibilities. Okay. Yeah, so if you actually go to creddust.com, or uh, at one point in time, we may talk about credcrud.com. If we go to those locations, then you could click on the other, some of the other words that I, that I've defined. Yeah. Okay. But CPOP is like your version of the elevator pitch, or? or... So can I say yes? I'm going to do the yes, but the more than that. It's, well, what? I'm for those who are, if you're an entrepreneur yeah. um, or in a business or a business person or for everyone you speak with, when you go to a networking event or you meet some, if somebody comes in, they're, they're a prospect, they come in, you're going to say, who are you or what do you do? Okay. Now, first of all, they might take five or 10 minutes to explain it. Right. But second, the biggest mistake they make is what's bundled into the 30 second pitch or the value proposition is the first words out of their mouth is going to be I or we. Right. I've been told that you shouldn't say that. Right. Because when somebody says, what do you do? You, not about me. Yeah. When somebody says, what do you, who are you? What do you do? Truthfully, they don't really care about you, at least not directly. They care about what you can do for them. Right. You could, what you could do for them is either you could, you could serve them in some way, you could support them, you could be a client, or you can be someone to recommend. Right. right. There, Mitch, before we before we hear, I asked you who's who's the client you're interested in, because if I run across somebody in New Jersey who's a business person who fits in the characteristics that, you know, the 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 two to 10 million that's looking for a lawyer on retainer who right. who I now know how I can recommend you. I, I, right. I That's what I was thinking about. And for me, that's that's gold to be able to have the the ability to recommend people who who I actually trust know like who will be credible right so that's gold for me so if we if I could teach other people how to articulate their CPOP and what happens is that CPOP is think about it as something that comes before your elevator pitch before your value proposition I'm not asking you to forget all the stuff you've been taught right but I'm what I am asking you to do is to present something in the average human attention span that they're going to remember. Now, by the way, if you Google so average human attention span, it's very eight short seconds, eight and a quarter is? seconds. Okay. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Right. And so it got probably shorter in some cases. Right. Oh, for many. Right. Um, I'm thinking about something that can take you one to three seconds. Yeah. So the this concept of a CPOP is 10 words or less. It's so then they're served. more like subconsciously, oh, I want to hear more. Now they're open to listening to you. Because the problem Done. with elevator pitches, nobody listens. It, that's exactly the case. You're thank you for using the word subconsciously, because I really haven't in the conversations before. What I said yeah. is you what you want to do is articulate the playground you're playing in so they can make a decision to opt in. Right. Opt in is yeah, that they don't think tell me more. They don't. They don't say, oh, wow, Mitchell, I want to hear more. But in their mind, now they're open to it. Yeah. 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 I love the term. CPOP. Okay. That's going in the show notes too. So, so mine. So trademark that. Mine is leaders living their values while driving operational credibility. 
Okay. And you deal right. with a lot of corporate people too, right? Not and so that's the, that's a new, by the way, that's a new one as of yesterday. So here's, okay. here's the cool part. We could change our CPOP over time. And the reason for the operational credibility is, is the primary focus or recognition that in the, in the corporate space, you have to speak the language they want to hear. Right. Right. And, and at the end of the day, though, it, 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 by the way, the one that was yesterday, leaders living their values and making a difference. Mm-hmm. That one appeals to the entrepreneur, but doesn't appeal, appeal to corporate. So I'm right. I, I'm going to be for me. I, I need to now share this with, with 20, 25 people and we'll see which, which one they like better. But right. the real value happens when, when you then subconsciously ask yourself, tell me more. Right. right. Because then you're like, oh, well, I think he gets me. He's talking my language, right? Exactly. Okay. Well, we're building credibility here, circling <laughs> the wagons, right? No, but I think I think it's so. This is why when you and I met, we started talking about it because it's so important. I've been on. There's a friend of mine uh, that I know who's got a business, and she uh, does organization like basements for children, right? But on the side, so if you have a couple of kids and your basement is a freaking mess, she's called the toy tamer. She comes in. In a day, she takes videos. She's at a YouTube channel and literally transforms this room. But her goal in the room is not just, just to make it organized, but to set it up so the children will keep it organized. So, you know, Ooh. things are set up so the children like to put things away, whatever. It's it's ingenious. But she's also very good at helping people to, to consolidate or make concise their elevator pitch. So she comes on Zoom calls and whatever and will listen and be like, uh, to me, Mitch, I have no idea what you just said. Like, and then help you boil it down and do that kind of stuff. And I think that the, one of the most frustrating things that I have for a lot of people is you go on, let's say, a networking meeting. Let's say we're in person, right? And they say, listen, we got a lot of people here. We got you know 30 seconds. Just say who you are, what you do, real concise. We'll go to the next person. And there's always somebody who feels obligated to vomit in words all over the group for three minutes. And everybody's like looking at their watch and they totally tune this person out. And now they're frustrated to even listen to more people because they're already like, oh, you know, they got that going on. And I, that's why I think like you totally lose credibility with the group and you only had one opportunity to, you know, I had you at hello, right? What was the thing from the movie? Absolutely. If, if you think about the, imagine if you're in a group, let's just say 20 people. Okay. What if 20 people were able to articulate the I'm going to say CPOP, but we'll do the playground they play in. So you actually really understand that playground and remember so then, it, and and remember because it's less than ten words, right? right? Exactly. It's, yeah, I, you know, one of my uh, one of my examples I love is one of my friends. He's been in Silicon Valley for for thirty years. He has helped thousands of companies with their startups. Uh, guy by the name of Raji Seti, and and his CPOP. Game changers looking for their secret sauce. Yeah, perfect. People go, if you're in a, a room with Raji Seti and you're an entrepreneur, you're like, if he said that and stopped, right, you're going to make your way over to meet him at some point in time. Period. Right, because it's not designed to tell you everything that he does. It's designed to say, what is that? Oh, I want to. I want to hear more. You know, and I, I and have this group on Fridays that I this uh, from London. It's like a Zoom call every other Friday. We have this thing called the five word challenge. I think we get it down to three words. So it goes around the room and there's always somebody who says, and then the person who's Fitzelda interrupts and no, 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 Mitchell, it's a five word challenge. You can say five words. Don't say anything more than that. And we'll go on because none of us will remember more than five words about what you do. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. No, that's right. And that that's a place so it's one of those those things I end up doing too when I'm at conferences or Zoom calls. A lot of times the host will have me um, have me join, and when somebody does their speaking, I'll share with them their CPOP, right? And you'll and then create we'll it the, for them, basically. I'll create it for them as we I'll, as we're as I'm listening. Um, I'll create it for them, share it, and then we'll have the audience vote on it. Very good. I like that. I like that. Well, you know, you have to force people to do it because they think that they have to tell you everything that they do. They're certified in this. And by the way, I do that. I'm licensed to do this. And that somehow magically you're going to remember it 
Forget about the 20 people in the room that you're listening to, all the other information that you get bombarded with for the rest of the day and weeks. And I mean, you're just not going to remember anything. So in our group, they were like, well, that's probably all you're going to remember anyway. So why should you say more than five words? You know, it's like uh, name that tune, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. So um, I know it's a little off the topic. So how did you get on a TED Talk? Like, was that difficult to get, you know, to do a TED Talk? Did you write the book? And they're like, oh, we read your book, Mitchell, and we want you on TED. What happened? What was the process? You know, there's there's a site, there's a page on, on 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 the TED site. So specifically, I've done two TEDxes so far. Okay, and there's a there's a there's a particular page. I'm gonna I'll get the URL for you. Okay, um, where they list all the TEDx events that are upcoming. Okay, and they're like satellite events, right? They're all over the world. Some are smaller, bigger. They're right. A and they lot video of them. Yeah, although oh, although really, a lot of them are. Uh, when they can go, they're going back to, to physical. The, the two that I've done were physical events. Got it. And, and Meaning so where you those, had an audience, a live audience. So we had a live audience. Yeah. Now the second one was actually during COVID. So the live audience was just the other speakers, uh, but there were, oh, 20 I see. Okay. Speakers, right. I the, the first one. Right. Meaning you first were one recorded live. You weren't on zoom yeah. or anything. No, it was, it's, I, you know, there's, during COVID, the the TED organization did allow a number of organizers to organize events where the actual speaking was done virtually. Yeah, and yeah. Vibe. I, I think that it's different vibe. It, it's not the right. Um, no, not for TED. No, yeah. yeah. So so for those that, are, by the way, the, the site's not coming up for me, but I'll give the URL. It's TED.com, T-E-D.com slash TEDx. Slash okay. events. Okay. And what it does, it lists a little over 2,000 events. Okay. And, and what you want to do is you want to look for events that are in your area, click on the page, go to their location, and then many of them will have a, hey, uh, ask you to go on a, you, you know, you could sign up to go on an email list and they'll do a call for speakers, typically six months before the next event. And so you want to you want to fill out the form. And then you so, submit your topic or whatever. And so you submit your topic, and and uh, and I'll give you the hint. One of the things that they're going to be asking you is to be able to have a video clip of past speaking because they want to see that you're a speaker. And for me, what I realized is I didn't. You know, we all have these speaker sizzle reels, and and by the way, I don't necessarily consider those credible. So instead, I sat down in front of the computer and I spoke to the person who would be evaluating. You created your own. So I created my own. It was basically, you know, at the time it, it was, here's, here's the talk. I've thought really long and hard and done work to, to, to know that 60% is really fine-tuned. The other 40%, as soon as you say, yes, I'm going to start practicing and working with other people. And I'm going to make sure that what I deliver will be something that you'd be proud that you picked me as a speaker. Okay. And, and that actually is what got that person to say yes. Right. Because saying you do a TED, you did a TED talk, obviously is definitely a credibility grabber. It's, it's definitely. And, and then what I, what I often say now, it was very funny. There's somebody who, who helps other people, um, to, to get on the TEDx stages, she compiles a list every quarter of the, I think the 50 most popular TEDxes that, actually, no, it's every year. She compiles a list once a year of the 50 most popular TEDxes that came out. And uh-huh. so for 2021, she ranked me as 28. Well, that's, nice. that's also a popular, because there's so many TEDxes that come out. That's right. also a credibility piece. Yeah. Okay, so so then we talked about the CPOP. We talked about a lot of things. So how else, if I'm a small business owner, how else do I go about building my own credibility? I may not be able to get on the TED stage. I probably should write a book, but maybe I'm not there yet. What other things should I be doing to raise my credibility for the people I network with, my customers, things like that? Well, at first, 
if you don't mind, Mitch, I'm going to let's define what credibility is Good. because you're making an assumption of what it is. Right. Of okay. course. And, and your assumption is the same that everyone else's has. That is, how do I do this one thing so I'm looked at in the minds of other people as being credible? That is not what credibility is. That's a part okay, of it. Good. I'm glad you're bringing that up. Credibility is the quality. It's three elements that came out. It's the quality that you're trusted, known, and liked. Okay. So it's we know the phrase, no like trust. What has to happen, and, and, and I'll just be really quick. You're starting a new business or you have an ongoing business. Somebody lands on your webpage or they okay. land on your social media. You've got three to five seconds, or maybe you have the eight second attention span. You have eight seconds to capture their attention, to show that you are trustworthy enough that they that they want to spend more time to get to know you. Right. Which is right? hard so to that, do on an electronic platform. You're not in front of them. Exactly. So right. you have 8.25 seconds, one human attention span to, to generate enough trust that they want to get to know you. As they get to know you, then you're building on the trust. You're building on getting to know you. You're building on them getting to like you. Right. They've opened so maybe up. Maybe you have another minute or two after that. Right. right. So, right. so we don't think about it that way. We don't like, for instance, when I get to a web page and it says as seen on and it shows all these things, I often run away because I, I, for some odd reason, I, I just find you some off. of that stuff dubious. Yeah. It, it just turns me off. Right. right. So, so what, what what really happens is let's go back. You and I have spoke before. I liked you. You invited me onto your show. Right. The first thing I did uh, as I'm waking up is I my stall tactic was tell me about the clients that uh, that you're attracted to that that want right. to work with you. And as I'm listening to you, you're speaking from your heart. You weren't you weren't doing a marketing cookie cutter. No, I didn't pull my ideal client profile and read it to you. Exactly. You were talking on who you liked working with. I asked one or two questions. I got a feeling of what it would feel like if I was your prospect and you were talking to me. Right. What I was, what I was really doing is getting to know you and decide if I like you a little bit better. Right. I, I was, you were building up your credibility for me. And and so if, if for those entrepreneurs, first, if you want to be more credible, I, I'm going to encourage you watch the TEDx. There are ten values of credibility. The the under being trustworthy, probably the most. I mean, we know authenticity, vulnerability. Yeah. We we know because yeah, people uh, see through you. Right. But that's easier if if you're talking to me like you did here. How do you do that on a web page on your home page? How do you do that? Oh, well, so it's very fascinating. I'm the a video. This is a we can spend an entire conversation doing that. The the easiest way though, the absolute easiest way is that if I land on your webpage or if I land on your social media and see you, yeah, that yeah. you're consistent from one social media to to the other, and yeah. I get to see your CPOP. Okay. I want to see immediately what playground you play. So if you, if you, it becomes like a tagline almost. It's, you know, that's the thing. It's the, it's almost a tagline. I almost want to say yes. Yeah. But it, it, it typically goes in the place where the tagline would go. Right. Taglines are marketing taglines. Right. Exactly. It's not a tagline. They have serve, they have other things. Right. Right. Um, And so, so what I'll say is, yeah, yes, and <laughs> you know it, but it's where the tagline goes because if I if I get to your webpage and it's a jumbled mess that yeah. you have that person who speaks three minutes in a 30-second pitch, if it if it looks like that, I'm running away because why yeah, would I want to spend time knowing you lose interest? If it's short, if it's focused, if it's if I'm looking for once again, we'll talk about you or talk about you. If if you're looking for somebody to help you understand what credibility is you're going to get to one of my web pages and then you go well hmm that's interesting I, you know to me i think credibility are books so let's talk about books you can get, get to a page where i talk about books um i think credibility means that my employees have much higher employee engagement i don't have a web page for that right so as I'm, by the way as i'm speaking i'm realizing i need to do 
SEO for the types of services I deploy so that I right. can make it easy if you're coming to me for, in this case, operational credibility, uh-huh. that I actually have pages on each level of operational credibility that we focus on. So at the moment, I think um, my web presence is probably partially credible, right? And so okay. you're asking me, it, it, you wouldn't be offended when you go there, but if you had a particular focus on and an area that I don't list on the web page, you may go to somebody else. Well, of course, right? Because you know, you know, it doesn't resonate right. with you. You know, late to so on web pages on social media, you want to make it you want to make it easy for for them to to see the playground you play in. Right. You particularly on 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 either the homepage or certainly in social media. Yeah. You want to have video testimonials. Okay. Of people yeah, who are giving before. you so testimonials, important, right? Yeah. Well, that right. is other people sharing cred dust about you. Right. And and sometimes they're not going to listen to all the testimonials, but they're going to they're going to listen or read some of them. Right? right. And and it's you want to make sure the I think the way to think about it is credibility for me is that PhD in the school of hard knocks that you've received. And that has more weight to it after interviewing the 500 people, it has more weight to it than, than just the the degrees you hang on the wall. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I guess you shouldn't try and be everything to everybody. That's the mistake a lot of people make. They want to, they think like everybody, if you don't niche down and be specific about what you do, you actually lose business. So lose credibility. Because nobody's a generalist. Nobody believes you could be a generalist. Oh, that's exactly the case, right? And so so remember, we want to trust, know, and like. Under trust, I'm going to say the most important thing is being coachable. Right. And you could show that you're coachable, at least in a conversation. You may not be able to show that originally on the webpage. But what you could show, under being known, you want to demonstrate that you're a servant leader. Being of service to others and is is one of the most important things that just people don't do a good job of. And this doesn't mean writing in your webpage, I serve, right? Or we serve, right? And then and then what people often forget, what's really important is being likable. Yeah. So it's showing respect. If if you look at the logs, I was I was sitting here seven minutes early. Normally I come about 10 minutes early, but it's early. I was waking up, right? I came early even though you know, we're, we weren't necessarily recording live. Because right. to me, that's showing respect. The other thing that I've done during this interview is I named other people. So I, that's, I'm spreading cred dust. I'm spreading right. the ideas, thoughts, and actions yeah, of I like others. That. I like that term because then you, you support other people. They support you. It's a good, it's a good. Well, you want to, it, the thing that's very fascinating is if you're, if going, hitting on what you just said about, you can't do everything. Right. So let's say somebody comes to you and it really requires where you have expertise and where you could do it, but you're not great. So what you do is, by the way, I have a partner who does this other thing. Why don't we come in together? Right. That raises your credibility. When you try to be everything to everybody, it reduces your credibility because nobody buys into it. Nobody believes that you can be that I, as an attorney, like you can't really be a generalist as a lawyer anymore. You, you can't. There's too much stuff to know in too many areas. This isn't 1874. Nobody believes it. And you're like, oh, yeah, I can do that. Well, maybe you can figure it out, but maybe it's not the right thing to do. And you're just going to lose all your credibility with this person who won't refer you later on because they weren't impressed with the work you did. But I, I know we can go on and on and on all day because I I love it. And it's one of my pet peeves when I go somewhere and I just listen to somebody and be like, boy, they need a lot. You know, nobody in this room knows what they just said. And I know what they do for a living. You know? So the book is being seen and being heard as a thought leader. Credibility Nation, Mitchell, the great first name, and I appreciate coming on. So what's the best way for people to like interact with you and learn from you? So I'm, uh, I am on LinkedIn. It's Mitchell okay. Levy. Um, I also have a webpage, MitchellLevy.com. And one of the areas that you can link to is once a quarter, rerun what's called the Ultimate Credibility Bootcamp. Okay. So what, what's amazing about that is we will first... You're going to go through the CPOP course, which is it, which is an hour and helps you articulate. Uh, never actually be that person who takes more than <laughs> more right. than thirty seconds. As a matter of yeah. fact, if you do it right, you can you can you think about it as you're doing something in less than eight seconds, and then you have the minute to tell you more if you have that time. Right, right. 
And so, and then we help people align themselves on and offline. So MitchellLevy.com, um, either connect to me uh, at Mitchell Levy on LinkedIn or yep. go to MitchellLevy.com. And then you could, you could book time on the calendar and find other areas in terms of services. Okay. We offer we'll put all those sense. links in the show notes. And I can't thank you enough for spending time with me today. Mitch, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Accidental Entrepreneur. Opening and closing music written and performed by Howie Moskovich and made to order music. For more information about Howie and his music services, please follow the link in our show notes. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, and most of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at The Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted by Mitch Beinacker and produced by Beinacker Law. If you'd like to learn more about our business and legal services, you can find us on social media or visit our website at beinhackerlaw.com. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.